here today with Dr. Lisa Powell, fellow criticalist, and she's going to be talking about a study called Pneumomediastinum in Cats, 45 Cases from 2000 to 2010. This was published in the Journal of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care in 2013 by Thomas and Siring. Dr. Powell, go ahead and take it away. This was a retrospective study evaluating 45 cats with a diagnosis of pneumomediastinum. The authors separated the patients into primary versus secondary pneumomediastinum as looking through the records, they were a primary if they did not know the underlying cause and a secondary if the underlying cause was suspected. So known causes in this population of cats included a general anesthetic procedure in 38%, trauma in 27%, and a tracheal foreign body in 4%. No underlying cause was found in 31% of cats, and these cats were categorized as having primary pneumomediastinum. The objectives of the study were to characterize the incidence, etiology, presenting clinical signs, results of diagnostics, clinical course, and outcome of spontaneous and secondary pneumomediastinum in cats. When reviewing the radiographs, what the authors found were 21 of 45 had concurrent pneumothorax, 10 of 45 had pleural effusion, and 11 of 45 had only pneumomediastinum diagnosed on radiographs. Clinical signs included increased respiratory effort in 58% of cats, increased respiratory rate in 60% of cats, which they diagnosed as greater than 40 breaths per minute, subcutaneous emphysema in 66% of cats, lethargy in 36%, inaptence or anorexia in 33%, and pain in 44% of cats. Other results included necessary thoracocentesis in nine cats, chest tubes in three cats that had a pneumothorax. They also found that 87% of cats were hospitalized for a median of two days with a range from one to 17 days, and that 87% of cats, 39 of 45, survived to discharge. Four of the cats were lost to follow-up, and six were euthanized. In one cat that was diagnosed with spontaneous pneumothorax, on necropsy, moderate multifocal acute interstitial pneumonia was diagnosed. In another cat, severe necroseparative pharyngitis and laryngitis was found on necropsy. So in both of these cases, even though they were diagnosed as having a spontaneous pneumomediastinum, an underlying cause was found. So the take-homes from this paper included pneumomediastinum occurs as a secondary and spontaneous disease, although the spontaneous disease in two cases on necropsy, they found an underlying cause. The most common cause of secondary pneumomediastinum are anesthetic procedures and trauma and that spontaneous pneumomediastinum does occur, with amesis being the most common presumptive trigger. Lastly, most of these cats do survive. So this study is interesting, and I guess one thing that shocked me is I've always known that pneumomediastinum can be seen, at least clinically, post-dental. And those are usually the cases that I'm referred. They have a ton of subcutaneous emphysema. They have a ton of pneumomediastinum. And it's usually when those endotracheal tubes with the orange cuffs are used just because those are really hard versus using some of the newer endotracheal tubes that have the high volume, low pressure cuffs, which I love. They're way less traumatic. 
So even though we as veterinarians often try to minimize the risk of aspiration or secondary complications to dentals, just be careful. Don't overinflate your endotracheal tube. Another important question from this was, I saw that emesis was a common factor that predisposed these patients to pneumomediastinum. Is it just the change in thoracic pressure from vomiting that results in this? And um, how common do we think this is for as often as cats vomit? Yes, I found that very interesting as well. I think it is the increase in intrathoracic pressure with vomiting. I remember I did have one case that was a post-dental and their subcutaneous emphysema resolved. The cat did really well, went home, and a week later, the owner brought him back with subcutaneous emphysema again, recurrent, and he had just been vomiting. So I do think it's that change in intrathoracic pressure. And one other comment when you're talking about dentals, in this paper, general anesthesia was the underlying cause of pneumomediastinum in 38% of cases. And the dental procedure specifically of those 38%, 16% had a dental procedure, 7% had esophageal tube placement, 16% had other general anesthesia. And then the question that people always ask me, can a pneumomediastinum progress to a pneumothorax? So a pneumothorax can progress to a pneumomediastinum, but not the other way around. And so I also found it very interesting that there was a good number of pneumothorax diagnoses in this paper, where 21 of 45 had concurrent pneumothorax. I'm not sure which of those patients had the concurrent pneumothorax, but what I suspect is those were the traumatic patients where they would have both. Great information, Dr. Powell. So when you see that pneumomediastinum case, don't give up on them. For the most part, if we can tap off that sub-Q emphysema, as long as the cat is eating, drinking, stable, and eupneic, these patients do quite well. 